Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for the Established Church. We are thankful that you're making us a part of your work week or whatever it is that you are doing while you listen to us. Today's an interesting episode in that for a couple of reasons. First of all, I am sad to say that my co-host Micah and Sam will not be on today's show uh, just because of scheduling, but um, we do have a guest on the show. His name's Trevin Wax. He's with Lifeway and Holman. Uh, publishers. I'll let him give his exact title in just a little bit. And what's interesting about this is the CSB, Christian Standard Bible, you've heard us mention it several times back when we were uh, you know, campaigning for everybody to try to get them to sponsor the show. And uh, you know that all three of us are huge fans of the CSB. The CSB is, um, as a, is a sponsor of the show, but now we have it as a guest. And so it's not, this is not an infomercial. I want everybody to be kind of aware of that. Trevin, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, glad that you're here. We were going to have Brandon on as well. Brandon came down with something, um, a flu or something like that. So we did not want to kind of have that on the show. And I'm sure Trevin didn't want that in the same room as him. Yeah, that it, it sounded awful. And I was like, please do not come. Do not spread that. It's not <laughs> worth it. Don't want it. Not for a podcast. So Trevin, what is your title? What do you do there? Uh, I am Bible and Reference Publisher for Lifeway. That means I oversee all of the Bibles that uh, that we publish at Home and Bibles, and also reference books, so um, different commentaries like the New American Commentary, the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary, Biblical Theology for Christian Proclamation, uh, and several other things. So some Bible dictionaries and uh, and things like that. So all of that is in one department, one bucket at Lifeway. We mm-hmm. also publish uh, KJV Bibles, New King James Bibles. And, uh, of course, the, the CSB is our, our translation, the Christian Standard Bible. So I, I oversee all of that, that element of Lifeway's business and uh, speak into that. I get to work with a great team here um, as, I'm, as I'm doing that. Very good. This may be a question for me to answer, but I'll ask you. This is a podcast for the established church. So primarily we talk to ministers and pastors of established churches. That is, as opposed to maybe a church planter or somebody that's kind of starting off. This is for the uh, sort of the unique aspects of being an established church or pastoring or ministering at a church that's older than you are is a way that we say that. Why would maybe a Bible translation be something that an established church minister would want to talk about? I mean, I I think the Bible is an established book, right? So (laughs) I'm a, I'm a, actually as of January, I'm, I'm also serving as teaching pastor at my church, which planted in 1947 okay. so is that considered is that considered established, it's established. now or is it's it established, a really yeah. long church plant no it's uh, established were you yeah, born in 47 no <laughs> right. i was not but. You <laughs> uh, so um i when, when i think about a bible translation why established church would care um it, it, it's because uh hopefully a church that is established on the word of god is uh, uh, believes that the word of God goes out, that it doesn't return empty, that um, that that the the church is as strong as its foundation being in in the word. So, whenever we are talking about translating the very word of God, the 
inspired word of God. Um, that is something that every pastor should care about, whether they're planting, whether they're pastoring an established church. It's easy, I think, in established contexts for us to uh, begin to maintain a lot of the programs um, that sort of the, just the, the natural, like, this is what our church is known for, what our church does. Um, it can sometimes get easy for established churches to see themselves in opposition to other churches in the area and to think of themselves the differentiating factor among themselves and other churches being really uh, programs more than anything else. Uh, where I think Bible translation matters in this area is because it, what we believe about the text, how we preach the text, how we memorize the text— um, really is what makes is the defining fundamental factor of what makes a church stronger than just a program or just a pastor or just even the established nature of an organization. And so it really all comes back to the word. And that's why I'd say established churches should should be considering that carefully. So I think one of the obvious questions is going to be, why do we need another one? There's plenty out there. A lot of them are very good. Some of them not so much. So why do we need the CSB? We do have great translations in English, um, more translations in English than in many other languages. So we are richly blessed by this. Um, English is unique as a language in that our vocabulary, grammar is not too difficult, but our vocabulary is massive, um, much bigger than most other languages in, in the world. And so um, there are all sorts of nuances and shades of meaning that we have in English that are that are available to us that that may not be available in, in other languages. So to give an example, I'm a fluent Romanian speaker. My wife and is Romanian. We speak Romanian at home. Um, Romanian is a Latin-based language, um, easier to pronounce than English, and that it just it reads on, on the page just you pronounce just the way you read it. Um, but at the same time, there's not as many words. Hmm. So uh, there are times when in English, I will put two or three words together. And in Romanian, there's one word for that, <laughs> right? That basically, that's it. That, yeah. that, so I, I recognize like the, the, the need for more translations in English, because there are different shades of meaning and nuance that you can capture from the original Hebrew and the original Greek, that you might not be able, you, you might not need as many translations to, to get at in uh in in another um in another language um for the way i answer that question personally is um lifeway has been stewarding the holman christian standard bible the hcsb for many many years now and so the the csb while it may feel like we're introducing that to to people who are not familiar with the csb um it is a significant revision of an existing translation. So I come at this from the standpoint of what is the, what is the best thing we can do with this translation that's already here in English, already appreciated that how, how can we best steward that for the kingdom and for the, the building up of the church? Mm-hmm. And so that's what leads me to answer that question is to say, um, you know, if, if the CSB, we want that to be the best possible translation that it can be. It already exists. So what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. And that's, the answer that I give from a from a ministry perspective as to why we would devote resources and attention to it. So the careful listener will acknowledge or at least recognize that Lifeway is stewarding this Bible and um, or this translation, for instance. Uh, what, how would you answer? I, I've heard this a lot. Oh, the HCSB, the CSB, those are the Baptist Bible. That's what Baptists use, and maybe 
you know, you've got two, not all of our listeners are Baptists, and they might say, ah, I'm out. Lifeway owns it, I'm not, I'm out. Or you've got Baptists who are just young and cool, and they're so cool that they have to reject everything that's officially Baptist, even if they don't know that it's also Baptist as well. So how would you answer that? Is this the Baptist version? No, not at all. So I think there's a big difference between a company or an organization, a ministry that stewards a Bible, and then um, who actually is involved in the translation work on the Bible. So uh, from the beginning, the HCSB, when it was developed in the 90s, was, um, uh, again, led by and stewarded by Lifeway, the SBC. Um, at the same time, though, even from the very beginning, there were more than 100 scholars from more than 17 different denominations. Mm. Um, and then in this, the, the, that transition from HCSB to the CSB, you've got um, a translation oversight committee that has um, voices on it, scholarship on it from multiple denominations, geographical locations. I mean, from you've got people from different continents where English is spoken. So, you know, Australia, England, Canada, uh, North America, obviously, uh, you have, but then, and then lots of different denominations as well. So Lutheran, Presbyterian, non-denominational, um, um, you have Baptist, Anglican, and whatnot. So uh, I, I think it is a, um, it really is a mislabeling of a Bible to, to take the, the organization that stewards it and to say that that means that it is developed only for a certain tribe or segment of evangelicalism. This is a Bible that was worked on by a wide swath of scholars from m- many different denominations. And they really, their heart was to build a Bible for the whole church, mm-hmm. to do a translation that would be built for the church. And um, uh, so even just hearing a little bit about some of the translation discussions from that that oversight committee and the kinds of things that they had to, that they would go back and forth on and debate, where you have all of those different denominational perspectives present and all making their, their voice heard, um, makes me confident that this is a Bible that, that many denominations are going to use. Mm. And there would be, though, some quote-unquote Bible translations that would be kind of uh, for that denomination or cult, you know, something like the Jehovah's Witness or those sort of translations are directly, but this is not that. This is not that approach that would be used that way. Yeah, I mean, you've got like the New American Bible is like a specifically Catholic Bible, right? Mm. Even down to like the Apocrypha being included and things like that. So you do have that. But you don't have that with most evangelical Bibles are, as a whole, they're, they're for the whole church. They're multi-denominational in their, in their outlook and in who is involved in it. All right. So this is going to be – I'm, I'm not embarrassed by this. My wife is more embarrassed by this. But when we were getting married in 2005, uh, you know, my mother-in-law said that I had to have a groom's cake. I thought this was silly. I didn't understand why I have to have a groom's cake. There's the bride's cake. I don't know why I have to have one. So she said – you get a groom's cake and you can put it in a shape or anything. She was trying to make it more attractive to me. Like, do this. She wants me to be very traditional. So she said, do this. You can make it in a shape or anything. And I kid you not, the shape of my groom's cake was in the Holman Christian Standards logo. because No I, way. I have always wow. been an obsessive uh, kind of fanboy of the HTSB. I actually left a camp <laughs> with students. I left students, teenage students at a camp and drove... I think it was about 40 minutes to the closest Bible store 
because that was the day you could get the whole Bible, the whole HTSB in print. Wow. So I, I bought it that day. I have, I've got it right here. It always is with me. It's 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 about to die. It's just falling completely apart. But I've always been. So it's always with me. It's kind of my go-to Bible. I preach now out of the CSB, but that's my my little pocket uh, version. So I say that um, a little bit proud, but a little bit embarrassed by it. I notice as I sit here and look at this uh, journal that is sitting on my desk, the CSB has a new logo. Can you speak to that kind of logo? There's some meaning in that, correct? Yeah, that, that's going to be a harder one to do and uh, groom's cake in, just so you know. Um, <laughs> the, the CSB the CSB logo is you've got this um, – uh, it, it basically is a compass point and it's pointing true north, right? So the, the idea w- with that logo was to capture something of what the CSB translators were going for that they had the, the, the philosophy behind the translation is that they wanted to, 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 uh, abide by what they call optimal equivalence. That's the fancy philosophical way of saying, you know, some translations are more formal. That means they're more word for word. Some translations are more dynamic. That means they're more thought for thought. The translation team for the HCSB and now the CSB decided from the beginning that what would make this Bible unique and would be helpful is that they would not choose between those two um, sort of poles on the spectrum of translation philosophy. They really wanted a translation that would do both of those well, mm-hmm. um, that could be very accurate and also very readable. So the CSB is a delight to read mm-hmm. and to study from. And a lot of times pastors especially feel like they have to choose between one or the other um the csb the the mindset with the the logo is the logo is pointing true north meaning accuracy is your fixed anchor point you are not going to depart from that that is the main thing you're going to stick with but you have this compass point as well you have this room within an accurate translation to make choices that are going to enhance readability um that are still highly accurate but also very readable and so the csb logo really reflects that desire that um that 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 hope that you're you're going to be uh, really zeroed in on on um accuracy and readability at the same time mm-hmm. so i i love the fact that the logo really represents what the translation team was thinking as they went through every verse uh in in going through the csb they were asking the question is this as accurate as possible point of true north right and as readable as possible mm. within that compass. Have we made the right decisions within that that compass of accuracy to, to also be as readable as we can be? Yeah, you're right, though. Uh, a shield with a sword in it is a lot easier to make as a groom's cake than, <laughs> yeah. uh, than mostly white space. You mentioned earlier some of the conflicts uh, or maybe challenges of the committee as they examine different words, different phrases. What has been sort of your personal favorite part of this journey of, you know, when you guys knew about it and we didn't, and, um, you know, you just kind of carried it and now it's a public thing. Has there been any highlights, some stories you can share with us that um, have been kind of cool? Yeah, I, I came into this late as well. I didn't, I didn't really, I hadn't really gotten my eyes on the CSB until August of last year. So I came in at the very, at the tail end of the process. And, um, you know what? What's been fascinating for me um, in in all of this, it, it's not so much about the translation itself. Um, it's more about just the nature of what goes into Bible publishing that I think has surprised me. Uh, the the fact that why do why are Bibles printed on thin paper? Why are the fonts in Bibles a certain way? Why are there two columns in most Bibles rather than one column? You know, 
all these things I had never really even thought about. Mm. And now that I'm a Bible publisher, I realize, oh, like it takes some, some serious inventive work in physics, just sheer knowledge of physics to be able to get the entire library, 66 books of the Bible in this one volume. Mm. So if, if I were to say what, I guess what has been surprising to me has been, um, the, I guess the gratitude that I have felt in the, in how much development has taken place over decades and centuries for us to be able to actually have the Bible as this thing that it is mm-hmm. that we can carry around that, I mean, that you just showed that one that's been, you've been using for more than 10 years, you know? Um, I, I think that's, that's something that is, um, that has really been moving to me in a, in a surprising way. Wow. I think that's cool. So let's shift gears a little bit here. Uh, for those who are listening, you may be thinking, ah, I don't really want to know how the sausage is made. It sounds great, but what do I do with this kind of knowledge? What do I do? I have the version I like, or maybe, you know, uh, I like this one. So if I'm not mistaken, you and I grew up in similar churches in that I grew up in a KJO church, a King James only church. Was that your background as well? I grew up in a King James-only Christian school, so okay. yes, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> I was in a couple of those as well. Um, I, I attended a couple of those. And so that is sort of a philosophy. If you're not familiar with a K- KJO church, um, it's just people who dogmatically believe that the King James Version is the only, uh, I guess, preserved word of God for the English-speaking people even today regardless of how many constant revisions it went under, uh, it is the the one version for people to use today. And I think in some regard, those of us who have been liberated from such a thought have gone maybe the opposite. Well, we're not going to ever say this is the version that you should be using. But it happens. Do you have any thoughts? I guess let's, let's start to break that apart. I, I would like to discuss for our listeners and even for my own benefit, is there any philosophy behind maybe making an official non-official translation or version for a church so you're a pastor of a church and you decide our church is going to use the csv what is your initial thoughts on that kind of topic that that's a that's a good question so i like you i'm probably a little gun shy about like the the kjv only kind of with any translation saying this is the only translation that is beneficial or useful i just i don't think that's true so my initial thought about a church being completely one translation i i would just want to press in and say okay there is value in a church deciding we're all going to be on the same page with like the bible that we read from promote memorize use in our kids ministry and whatnot um, like that there's value in that because it's just an alignment of the church at the same time. I would, as a pastor myself, even when I'm preparing and studying, I do, I like to consult multiple translations. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I have really benefited over the years from NIV, from ESV. I like looking at new American standard, uh, for certain translation choices, just a, as a pastor who, who loves the the text and studies and who is grateful for the the great work that different translation committees and teams have done over the years. Um, so I would not want to be so dogmatic about a translation that I'm like, it doesn't matter what any, you know, what it doesn't matter um, what we're doing. It is only going to be CSB in any kind of 
you know, uh, um, sermon church kind of, I, 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 even with CSB, which I is, is now become my, my preferred translation. Um, there, there in any translation I've ever used and loved, there've always been occasional things where I'm be like, you know, I really, I like this other rendering. I think this other rendering may capture better what the original is. I think that's normal and that's good. And that's one of the ways that we benefit from the multiple translations we have. So, to come back around though, to say, what should a church do? I do think there is value in a church being on the same page where you're, you're kind of studying, you're using the, the same text, mm-hmm. not in the dogmatic way where it's like, if you see someone with an NKJV Bible, you're like, what are you doing with that? You know, get, <laughs> you know, let me replace that with the, the CSB. Um, but, but I, but at the same time is, is, um, the, the church is kind of moving together, at least from a programmatic standpoint kind of moving forward on on with one key translation yeah uh kind of a funny story my four-year-old one time well he's he's older now but he was four at the time actually saw somebody in our church with a new bible and he flipped it over and checked the spine and said it made this like hmm kind of face and uh, the person was like what and he said it's not a holman and then he just kind of walked away you know and and um, how, how old is he? Could he be an intern here? Yeah, like, I know. He uh, would, we're looking he for a summer intern. So. If he could be an intern, at <laughs> that would be like his dream job. He's just sort of that. He took everything nerdy about me and just put it into his little body. So he's eight now, but yeah, fully. Okay, fully I'm going to send way. you an application. Just keep yeah. it on file. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this kid is just that way, but I had to explain to him look, I know dad makes a big deal out of the Holman and now the CSB, but there are good. Um, translation and they're beneficial and even as somebody as um, unruly dogmatic as I am with the CSB and the HCSB there have been several times in a sermon I would say you know I disagree with the use of this I think there's a better rendering and maybe the SV uses a better rendering, or sometimes the NIV uses a better rendering um, for these things so I think that there is some benefit to it it also happens I think that's really my point it happens so even if you if you're the main preacher and you use a text um, the the majority of the time, what you will see is that your members will start buying that text. And when they need a new yeah. Bible or uh, maybe their child comes to faith in Christ or they're doing – or your, your kid's minister needs to buy curriculum, they will usually line that up with the one that you want. So you either think through it and it happens or you don't think through it and it's going to happen. And I think – my point really is, let's say that you're using the net. Let's say that that's just you love the net because you yeah. took because you went to DTS and you just think that is the version to use. Well, that's fine. But once what's going to happen when your members start trying to buy that or try to line that up? That's more difficult for them, and they that's find right. some frustration in that. So, um, I, and I would just, I would just, I, I would add this. Um, I, I think, I think we've got to be um, careful when we are. When we're when we're preaching, and I and I say this to myself uh, as well, I, when we're when we're preaching, it is easy for us to suddenly become like the Greek and Hebrew expert and to like dog the translation that we're using. Mm-hmm. What no matter what translation it is, like you find a, a place, maybe you you preach from NIV, and you're like, I just think the NIV really botches it here. You know, <laughs> I would not not say that from the from the platform. Mm-hmm. First, because you want people, you want to cultivate a sense of trust in the in the translation that you you use most regularly mm-hmm. among your people. Um, so I I think there are ways there are ways to disagree with a translation or to think that there might be a better rendering where you say okay 
I, hey, here in the NIV or here in the CSB, let's use CSB as an example. Here the CSB says this. This is how they translated this. Another way to say that is, you know, and you use another mm-hmm. translation, but you're kind of coming alongside and you're using another translation as a supplemental help. Mm-hmm. And and you could even say, you know, I, I, I prefer this one here because I think they really captured this meaning mm. to where you're not you're not downplaying and dogging the translation that you have have lifted up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't want people walking away from your church service with their Bible thinking, well, I use this translation, but I really need my pastor to tell me where it's gray and where it's not. Like, mm-hmm. you, I, I just don't think that's the kind of confidence level that you want, uh, the, that low, low kind of confidence that you would want your, your, um, your church members to have. So just be careful, be appreciative and grateful, even when you're going to make slight adjustments. I'd just say be careful in how you do that. Yeah. You know, another uh, helpful thing we've done before is uh, this helps more in a small group setting, but if I read it and then I say, what does your translation say? And so we have all the different translations read it. And particularly if I know that it is a contested word, I'll say, so what word do you have? And we all start using those words and we put them together to show the complexity of Greek or whatever and how English. So, you know, you end up getting to all of those are right in some level, but what we're wanting to see is a deeper to fuller meaning. And so you can really build up not only the translation you're using, but also, um, be appreciative of the wealth of translations that we have in the English language. And so we should use that. What would be some of the helpful things for having a, uh, not being dogmatic, but saying, so we're, we're, we're sort of a CSB, you know, Saxe's church right now, we're HCSB, CSB church. That's, that's the way we are. That's kind of the way we are. What are some helpful things in making that decision? If somebody's never thought through that? Well, if you can align your curriculum to be, according to the translation that you're using. So CSB, align your curriculum. Um, if you're, if you're using CSB from the pulpit, eventually that's going to trickle down to be the preferred Bible for a lot of people in your congregation. We have some stats on this, like uh, about 75% of, um, I think it's like 70 something percent of church members say that the pastor, that the translation their pastor preaches from is influential when they're purchasing a translation for their own regular use. Um, now of course we all know that 25 or 30% of people who were like, I don't care what my pastor is using. I am, I'm sticking with King James or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be, Mm -hmm. but you, you do, there's a lot of influence that the pastor has in the translation they choose. Um, another thing would be just like outreach Bibles, gift Bibles, pew Bibles. If you're an established church, especially, you, you know, you, if you want to get one of the things I, I, I hear a lot of churches doing is pastors will say, look, um, if you want to follow along with us, there's a pew Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you take that one home. You know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, you're basically giving away Bibles, uh, and pew Bibles are nicer Bibles, but you're giving them away because you're showing how much you value that guest and how important the word is to you that the cost is not relevant there. You want them to have a Bible. Um, so you've got that. And then also like just this last week, I, I know we recognize some of our graduates at our, at our church where I'm, I'm serving as pastor that if you're, if you're going to give a Bible that can be aligned as well with the, the translation. If you've got a Bible drill kind of ministry, then you've got the kids memorizing in the translation that you're, you're choosing. There are all sorts of reasons why, you, you want to bring um, um, your church together as much as possible. Sometimes there are particular books or maybe a curriculum option or something that you'd want to use that you don't have in your preferred translation. 
Um, so there are exceptions here and there, but it is, it is really nice to, to have everyone on the same page. Yeah. I think I, we probably don't have time to go into this, but one of the ways that you could, you know, think through this is I read a blog talking particularly about switching the church to the CSB translation. And one of the phrases or, or statements that was used in there is that the text that you use is formational in the community that you have. And so it does make an impact in your community if your church is a King James church. And I'm even wondering, and I think that, like I said, a whole nother conversation, but maybe our listeners could have these conversations with their staff, etc. I'm wondering is as denominational identity wanes and fewer and fewer people are attaching themselves to a denomination, if things like Bible translations become a little bit more stronger. We all know churches that are very strong ESV churches, and that's sort of one of their characteristic traits, which in the past has only kind of been relegated over to the King James, but that's not staying in that zone. So I think it is something worth thinking through. Now, I got to say, when the uh, CSB launched officially, you could buy them, etc., our church went crazy. Everybody <laughs> bought a CSV, and that's oh, wow. partly because of the way that I do things, the study Bibles. But one of the things I thought would be well-received, but I had no idea how well received is the She Reads Truth study. Bible. Neither did we. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that excitement. What what happened? Okay. So a, a few things going on. So She Reads Truth is a um, a devotional community online for women who who want to get into God's Word, and they have reading plans and sometimes some thoughts alongside that. The She Reads Truth Bible is not really a study Bible, and it's not really. I mean, there's some there's some devotional material throughout it. I I would hesitate to even call it a devotional Bible. What what the the She Reads Truth Bible does so well is it presents the Bible um, in a in a beautiful way. It it the presentation of it, the, the single column, the margins, the 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 uh, the way that the Bible feels uh, reads on the page, even to the quality of the paper. It's one of the better Bible papers. It's not as easily easy to see through. Is um, it's it's the kind of Bible that when you when you see it and you flip through it, and I'm saying this as a guy, mm-hmm. knowing it's mainly for uh, a woman's Bible, but most of the, aside from some of the the flowery kind of things that are at the very beginning of each Bible book, um, it it is it is just a beautifully designed Bible. Mm-hmm. So I flip through the the Bible and I think this is a Bible where you can tell the design and the level of intentionality that went into it. It's it's designed to really be worthy of the words that it carries. Mm. Like it, it's that's the the level of detail to the presentation of it, um, and it and it invites you to read. It's it's a welcoming Bible to read. A lot of times Bibles get can be cluttered, and for some of the reasons I mentioned earlier, just the sheer physics of getting something onto the page. The Shear Shoots Bible has a, a certain simplicity and beauty to it that that is is really designed to enhance and lift up the biblical text itself. So it took so off. It sold a it, lot. It, it it has done it. Okay, the She Reads Truth Bible did more in four weeks than we expected in six months. From that one translation, or from that one, uh, you know, skew, or from all of your Bibles, it did more yeah, than uh, all of them. Well, no, it did more than what we expected for it. So oh, we okay, expected yeah. it to do okay, uh, to do well, because we knew people were going to like this Bible. I don't think we anticipated the the level of attention. So we've had to initiate reprints, and we're it, we're still a couple of months from now. It's like a treasure hunt. Uh-huh. She reads truth. People that want to find these Bibles are having to go to different places and call, right. you know, Lifeway or check on Amazon, right. and check 
you know, all these different places to see if they can, they can get a, a copy if they want one immediately. Um, so yeah, it has, it has been phenomenally successful and well received. Um, and I think it will continue to be so because it truly is, it is a, a beautiful Bible. It is, it, it's one that you just, you want to sit down and read. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. I mean, it, it is regular every Sunday. There will be this, this, um, cluster of women and there's a lot of screaming and a lot of laughing or, you know, just excitement. You think that somebody brought a newborn into the church. <laughs> no, it's somebody got their She Reads Truth Bible and they brought it and they're all gushing over it. Um, a very big deal. Is there any other kind of uh, versions or models? I don't know what we call this. Um, differences? Different coming types up? of. Yeah, we so the CSB Study Bible releases this month. Um, and that is, of course, a, 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 a very important study Bible for us, which is Again, beautifully laid out, but also plenty of notes and materials to help assist people in study. Um, the Apologetic Study Bible, both for students and for adults, will come out this summer. Um, I'm really excited personally uh, uh, for the Reader's Bible, the CSB Reader's Bible. So it's going to be about the size of Bibliotheca as far as um, that was a, a Bible that was um, put together in multiple volumes. Uh, this is a one-volume Reader's Edition, but it is about the size of uh, Bibliotheca, and it is beautifully designed, and it doesn't have any verses or chapter numbers. Wow. So as you work through the text, you kind of just get lost in the reading of of God's Word. Uh, it's simplified. There's no footnotes. There's no uh, study notes. It's just this is the the biblical text, and it's. Uh, um, I, I was very involved in the design of that one because that's the Bible I can't wait to read in the CSB. So I, I've been more heavily involved in the design of that one than in than in other ones, but um, we also have like a, the Spurgeon Study Bible comes out in the fall, which has a lot of Spurgeon's notes throughout some of his sermons that have never before been published. Uh, we'll be involved in that, um, um, and you know we've got a CSB Study Bible for Women coming out next spring. So a lot of different uh, Bibles that we'll be be releasing some kids Bibles as well. Uh, we 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 wanted this as we were planning. We wanted to 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 show that we wanted to serve the whole church, multiple different kinds of people who who um, want different kinds of helps as they study their Bibles, mm-hmm. as they read their Bibles. And so that's what we're trying to to, to bring to, to, to bear on our uh, publishing plan. Fantastic. Any other uh, kind of closing thoughts that you have, Trevin? You know, I hope that people, whatever translation that – if people are listening, whatever translation you use, um, be intentional about surrounding yourself with good translations. So if you, if you check out the CSB, please do so. Read it, use it alongside other Bibles that you study from if you're a pastor. Um, you know, give it consideration as being a good primary text, a, a good go-to text for your congregation. But, um, and if it is, talk to us because we'd love to help you make that transition. There's different ways that we can assist you in that, make it easy for you to make that transition. But um, if, it, if it's not your primary, at, at best, you ought to be able to, to lean on it as a, as a really good text in your own preaching, devotions, things like that, that, that will hopefully assist you and build you up. Yeah, I would encourage everybody to check it out. It's free on Kindle. It's also free on the Version Bible app, One of two of my favorite resources there. You can check it out, read it through, and then um, go ahead and pick you up a couple of those uh, print versions and kind of hand them out. As always, we appreciate you listening. We do appreciate Trevin being 
a guest on EST today. We appreciate Brandon thinking about it, but then calling in sick, but we still love him all the same. Check us out next week, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks so much.